All right, gang, welcome to this episode of Casa de Dynasty. Um, exciting, exciting episode. We're going to talk about the art of the trade. Uh, so with me today, I got a couple of the best, uh, best guys I know um, on, on the trade market and how to manipulate it, how to work it, how to use it to make a, um, make a team, move a team from good to great. And that's really what trades do, right? It's about making your team better for the long haul, especially in Dynasty. Redraft is one thing where you're trying to to win a championship right now. I mean, we're all trying to win championships every year, but sometimes you, you got to find depth and, and be able to look, especially in Dynasty, as to how is your team going to be built as a running back turns 30 or a wide receiver, uh, you know, might be on a new team based on a trade or, or running out of a contract. So um, what we're going to do today is set down chat it up, talk about the trade, the art of it, how it works, um, and how you can truly make a league realistic, make a league fun. Um, with me today, I got the general and, and the good doctor setting in. Guys, uh, based on what I, I just brought up, how important is the trade market to, to fantasy? Um, I think for Dynasty – if you don't have trades, the league will die. Uh, redraft trades aren't nearly as important. It's harder in redraft to get trades done. But in Dynasty, you can build a really, really good team through the draft, through rookie drafts. Um, but sometimes you, you just simply have to trade for that extra piece to put, to put your team, like you said, from good to great. General? Yeah, I think Ben hit it on the head that it's it's the lifeblood of the league. A true good dynasty league is always active, um, whether that's in season, but I think even more importantly in the off season is really when that's why I'm playing dynasty is to have that fun, that that kick of fantasy in you know April, May, June, you know, before we have football again, um, you kind of get the you know, play more of a real GM, you know, than in just the redraft. You're, you're looking ahead over years. You're looking at players in the offseason. You're following the news. You're seeing all the breadcrumbs that teams are leaving behind for you to kind of pick up the trail of what they're doing based on their roster movements and their transactions and their uh, contracts and so forth. So it really adds another uh, dimension to playing fantasy football and, Dynasty gives that to you year-round, essentially, if it's a good league. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, about this very topic, and he was like, George, the difference between, you know, standard, standard league, Dynasty, it, it's like playing chess versus playing checkers. You know, checkers is fun, and, and that's great, and ha-ha, but, you know, people that really understand, understand Dynasty, it, it's, a, it's an intelligent game where you really have to know what you're doing um, to build out a proper team. I mean, we've seen really good teams. We've seen really poor teams. But, I mean, we've each had them. We've acquired teams when we've taken over dynasties where we're like, how in the Sam hell did this person even have a team? Um, to, wow, I've been blessed with an amazing squad, and now let's just not mess it up. So um, let's talk about tips. You know, as our listeners um, 
are, are checking in with us. Let's talk about how you, you work the trade market. Um, we took some time this week. We talked to some other owners, uh, some other, other people we really trust and, and value their ability to do trades and came up with some tips. Um, so let's talk through those and, and let's share them with the people. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out the first one here and let, let's just open up the conversation, guys. Uh, the best trades come when there's two conversations, when there's a two-person two conversation via messenger, not blind offers or counters sent via the league sites. So I, I know, uh, General, that was one that you posted, that you added to the list. So why don't you start with that? Yeah, so, I mean, I know we want to give them some tips, but I know we don't want to give them all the tips because I don't know if they can handle it. So I think today we just give them just the tip. No. Just the tip of it. I don't, I want, I don't want to overwhelm everybody, so we're going to give them just the tip. So that, that, that one's the most important one to me is trading is a two-way conversation. If you're just blindly sending trades back and forth on the site, you know, there's no communication there. It's basically, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping it sticks and that person's going to be like, oh, that seems like an okay deal. And nine out of 10 times, that's not going to happen. You're just going to get rejections or, you know, bogus counters or no response. So I think the best way to handle any trade is to just directly talk to that person. If you can call them, if you're close enough with them or message them, great. You know, that's, that's definitely the way to do it. And, you know, some leagues, there's a, you know, third party messaging like discord or uh, group chats of some kind where you can talk about um, your trades in that uh, avenue. But having that back and forth will not only give you the best trade for both owners in this particular trade that you're maybe trying to work, but it lets you understand the owners in your league and how to deal with them going forward. You're, you're literally building uh, your understanding of how that owner operates and they're doing the same with you that allows you to then build on your trades going forward and to make better trades for both parties. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's the relationship. You know, as you build out, you know, a dynasty team, you expect, you know, I believe episode two or three, we talked about dynasty and how this is a sport that's, you know, you want your owners to be there three, four, five years. Um, for us in elite, it's seven, eight. Is that where we're at? Yeah, eight this year. Eight. eight. So, I mean, eight years, you know, going back and forth, you build some type of rapport where you know um, what to expect, how to expect it, what that person's looking for. And, you know, if, if you sent me just a, a message on uh, the site to say, hey, this is what I want, I'm probably going to ignore you because I expect more out of you than that. You know, so now other people, I'll just send them that because that's what I expect. But uh, the good doctor, what do you think about that topic, sir? Yeah, I very rarely do I get a trade done by just sending something uh, through Yahoo um, because how I value a player and how I value their players is obviously going to be very different. Um, so without that conversation happening, you really can't come to a deal without knowing how they value different players. No, a hundred percent. I mean, we were talking offline about that, you know, the value of, of a particular player um, all three of us um, value the, this particular player a lot less than the owner that we were discussing. Um, but, you know. That's, it, an, 
another important thing is that, um, you know, when you're dealing with people and you're having those conversations, a lot of times you will go into that conversation pretty damn sure nothing's going to come of it, that you're not going to get a deal done with this person. And it's not because you're, you're being a dick or you're just, you know, being um, difficult to work with or they are. It's just, you know, you don't see the value the same based on what you know about that person and how you discuss this far. But what you're doing is you, every discussion you have with another owner in your league is building a rapport with them and it's leading to something down the line. You're both gaining knowledge. You're both understanding each other. And even having those discussions that you know aren't going to go anywhere are going somewhere in the long run. Maybe not in this trade, but a trade down the line. You're going to remember something they said and vice versa and how you're valuing people. You learn how to understand and manipulate people based on those conversations. Yeah, I mean, that sounds such like such a dirty word, manipulate. That is what trading is. It is the art of manipulation. Let's just call a spade a spade. So yep. um, while we got you there, uh, the good doctor, why don't you throw us one your way? I remind you, just, just the tip, please. We don't want the whole thing. Okay, I got you. Um, so I'm just going to throw out two because I think one of them builds off what we were just talking about. But if someone sends you something – uh, even if you can't get to it right away, just send them like a, Hey, I'm busy. I see this. I recognize it. Like, let me get back to you. Uh, just let whoever contacted you, you know, it's common courtesy just to give them a heads up. Like I saw this, I can't get to it right now. I'm at work. I'm busy. Uh, you know, but I see it. I'll look into it more. Um, don't let that communication stop. But I think the real tip that I want to throw out is um, don't be afraid to trade for studs and, you know, shoot your shot. You know, if, if you want to get Zeke, go get Zeke. I have traded for Zeke, traded Zeke away, and then traded for Zeke again. Um, I've also traded for McCaffrey. So go, go out and try to get those stud players if you have the capital to do so, who knows? You know, you may value a guy way higher than another guy, um, and you may get him for way less than you think you're going to be able to get him. Uh, or you may send Darius guys for the 107 and get lots of heck. But, <laughs> it never hurts uh, to ask, right? You never. Yeah, you, you don't, don't know if you don't ask. <laughs> don't be afraid to inquire. Every every owner has a a price of what they would send a player for. Yeah. is basically what the the too long didn't listen of that tip is. <laughs> but the, the one thing I want to go back to is what you started with is have the common courtesy to respond to a person. You know, yeah. if you see something, say, yeah, I can't get to it right now, I will. And then actually go back and get back to that person because, you know, after a couple of times of doing that, you know, hey, I'm, I've sent you a trade, you didn't respond. I sent you a trade, you didn't respond. You know, eventually I'm just going to stop sending you trades because I don't want to waste my time on it. And then, you know, I make a trade with somebody else and you hear that person like, well, why the hell didn't I get that kind of trade off? Or, you know, I would have done better than that. It's like, well, you didn't pay attention to any of your inbox stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a common DC. And another thing I'll say is don't mute people. That's another <laughs> dickhead thing. I hate when people mute people. <laughs> don't mute people on Messenger. Just, if, if, somebody's, if somebody's messaging too much, we're all adults to say, Hey man, I don't have time to talk trades. I'm not really interested. And then, I, you know, the person will leave you alone. Generally, if the person continues to pester you, then they're being a dick. So, you no, know, it's just 
treat everybody like you'd like to be treated. Be adults. I think that's a great point, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's that's the key. I mean, we all know that some people are more aggressive than others. Um, it, it just comes down to showing courtesy at some level. I mean, we're all in a new league together, and, and we've all shared some frustrations around, you know, non-communication around a new league. You know, that, that's extremely frustrating. You know, you when you don't know who you're playing with for the first time and, you know, you're not getting responses, it, it just puts a bad taste in that owner's mouth and, and you just don't want to really be part of that. You're not going to really look towards that owner um, in the future because it, it just seems like a, a, a futile effort. So that's what happens in leagues where it ends up being three, four guys are the only ones trading with each other. And those three, four guys usually, in most cases, end up being the ones that win the league over and over and over again because they will manipulate the system and, and maintain their best players. And, and the league won't, will not, not see any improvement. Like you mentioned before, the people at the bottom, the bottom feeders will stay there um, just because they're just afraid to make moves. So speaking of that, um, one tip I have is uh, not every trade has to be a blockbuster deal. You don't have to go and, and get, go get Zeke. You don't have to go get Michael Thomas. Uh, likely, you're probably not. Um, but there's ways to get better. You know, there's ways to find depth in, in a receiver or somebody young like uh, a Terry McLaurin last year or a player that you see up and coming that, that you feel has got the, the opportunity to be a, you know, as a good doctor says, you know, a, a third-year pro that's going to be the guy that comes out, comes out of nowhere, has, totally understands the league now, understands the speed of the game, and is ready to play. And those are the guys you go get. And you might get them a year early. And people are like, well, why are you trading for this guy? Well, you know, that's a guy I'm going to stash for the remainder of this year and wait and see what happens. So I was trying to do that earlier today. Um, didn't quite get the deal done. But, you know, we'll stay at it. Um, thoughts on that, guys? Big trades, you know, Ben does a lot more than I do. He, like I said, he doesn't mind shooting the moon and going for it. I, I play more reserved in regards to my players. Once I got a guy I really like, you know, I usually don't really let them go. I mean, my receiving core and our longest lasting league consists of, you know, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, uh, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin. You know, it's, you know, the who's who of a top 10, 15 receiver club. And, um, you know, at one point I had Tyree Kill in there and I lost him in an expansion draft. But those are guys I'm not trying to trade away generally. Am I trying to go get big name guys that I want? Yeah, but I'm trying to trade secondary pieces usually and draft picks. I'm, I'm trying to manipulate my capital in different ways to go get that larger guy without giving up a big piece of my own. Um, usually doesn't happen every once in a while, it will. But really, the way I like to do it is by going to get guys that haven't quite popped yet. You know, years ago, I think me and you, George, we had a trade uh, after Juju's first year. Mm -hmm. I got Juju off you after his rookie year, and I think I gave you a mid second for a third or something like that. Something it wasn't like a, that, yeah. It wasn't a huge drop for me. And, you know, thus far it's paid out well. Obviously, last year was kind of a lost year with Ben gone, but those are the kind of things where I'm, I'm usually trying to make my trade is guys that haven't popped yet or, um, you know, guys that I see that can be contributors, um, at least as a secondary player. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you have to. A, a prime example of kind of both of the two topics we were talking about by going to get studs or, or looking at a depth or, or taking a risk on a player. Um, last year when, when I acquired Tyreek Hill in the trade that I had where I sent Mike Evans away to get Tyreek Hill when he was still suspended, we didn't know what was going to happen and know what was going on with him. Um, but for me at that point, the risk versus the reward um, was there. I had enough um, capital with my other players that I could get, get rid of Mike Evans and be able to bet on, on what Tyreek Hill could bring me in the future, expecting him to be able to play. So I got lucky that he, got a, that he was able to play. I'll be honest with you there. And, and hopefully it really plays out for me this year when he's able to play all, all 16, 17 games, however many we have. So, um, General, let's go back to you, man. What other tips do you have? Um, you got to know your co-owner, or you're not your co-owners, but your competition in the league. Um, like we said, it's about building rapport, about building understanding with other owners. And the biggest point of that is how do your opposing owners like to build? Are they folks that believe in vets and they don't give a shit about the draft? Or are they people that love draft capital? Um, so, I mean, we've played in leagues where we do have people that you can spot them based on their rosters. This person does not care about young up and coming players. They are always trading away their draft picks. They are always going after veterans. And that's a mark for me. If I'm a person that wants to get draft picks and, you know, this particular year, 2020 is a great draft class, not as great with some of the landing spots, but there's still talent there. And we know of at least two people in our main league where they are always selling draft picks and they don't have any draft picks to like the fourth round now because they've sold their first seconds and thirds off because they want veterans. I so by knowing your owners and your competition, that helps you be able to kind of structure your trade deals and what you're trying to go after and who to target. No, I, I agree. I was having a conversation um, with, with one of those owners, actually both of those owners this week. Um, around players and I think one of them's coming around trying to get picks uh, just a slight overvalue um, of the player but then that other owner uh, who doesn't have a pick till the fourth uh, he'll straight up tell you it doesn't matter he doesn't want picks he doesn't care um, he, he just doesn't see the value in them he says they're too risky um, I disagree you know and where are you in the middle ground in what? Ben is he oh, in the ben. middle ground between picks uh, and vets, or yeah, I I definitely um, I it honestly depends. Like this draft class, I like last year I went for a more win now approach. I felt my team was in a very good position to win at all, so I made a couple of trades to acquire a couple of pieces, but I had to kind of mortgage my draft this year. Um, that being said, I took some of those pieces and then I, I did acquire some more picks uh, earlier in the draft. Cause I think going into the NFL draft, I think my earliest pick was three Oh six. And this upcoming 2020 draft, which isn't like, isn't ideal. Um, but I moved some players and now I have two Oh two and the, and the two Oh eight through a couple of trades. Um, so I definitely lie in the middle. I like to stay fluid. You know, um, if there's, like I said, I really like those year two going into year three guys or 
those guys that just finished a rookie deal. I like to acquire those guys. So while I like trading for studs, I think it's fun. Um, I also try to acquire those, those depth rookie picks. So like if I was in the league when Juju was on the block, I probably would have moved, moved on him, but I wasn't there. So, you know, I couldn't do anything about that. Yeah. I mean, I think when you talk about it, it comes down to how you build it. And not only, you know, Ben, you're a great example this year. I mean, you acquired Zeke in the off season, right? You've moved up into two, two and two, eight and acquired Zeke all in the off season. That's pretty solid. Now you gave up Chubb and I forget the other player in that particular, uh, Cortland Sutton, Sutton, um, who actually panned out to not be as, as uh, prominent of a receiver after all the weapons that they added to Denver. I mean, he kind of fell down the draft board a little bit after that. So you kind of got the better end of that on the back end. But, you know, you look at Chubb for Zeke, people will argue that that really wasn't that much of a deal, but that's something you wanted to do. Um, but you were able to, you know, acquire basically, you know, one and three in, in the wide, in the running back category and, and then move up in the, in the draft, you know, get two, 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 eight, which is amazing. Um, now what you do with it, we'll see. You also have mortgaged a lot of players and you only have 14 players in total. True. So a lot of us in a full dynasty are sitting on 18, 19, 20 players. So um, you have six draft picks now, um, six at which you, you have to figure out because you have six holes on your roster. Yep. So true. you could get very young uh, on the back half of this draft and hope some things pan out. Or, um, you know, you could move up in the draft and, and send uh, those picks to, to other folks. So, I mean, it's all how it plays. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go all defenses. So. I, I mean, makes sense. That's what I would go with. <laughs> um, let's chat on another one um, that, that I find, you know, really interesting. Um, understanding the fandom of your partner. You know, know who they are. You know, are well, they the homers? Are is that what you're saying? That's what I said. Let's talk about the homers. Um, we we have a couple of those, and you you used a naughty word earlier, General, where you talked about manipulation. And I, I believe we have a few bets out there around pick one one in one of our leagues. We all know that this person's probably going to take, you know, DeAndre Swift. Why is he the best player off the board at one one? No, we all we all say no. We could be wrong, um, but we are guaranteed to see DeAndre Swift come off the board at 1-1 because this guy's a diehard Lions fan. Don't fault him for it. DeAndre Swift is a, a great player. Is he worth the 1-1 pick? Eh, we'll see, right? But, but you'll also see us seeding the league. You know, earlier this week, I, I sent a post in the league that mentioned how DeAndre Swift looked to be RB1 in Detroit. Now, why, why did I do that? Manipulate the league. Planting those seeds. <laughs> Planting this. I think that's what I posted. Planting the you seed. Know, you know who sends the highest overpays out of any fandom I've ever sent? Browns fans. If you have a Browns player, they will send you a first for David and Joku faster than you can hit accept. <laughs> now, see, I will disagree with you. They are really close, but I think you're 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 side by side with Stillers fans. Okay. Hey, George. All right. Yeah. 
last year, last year in the draft in one of our other leagues in Midwest, I think you sent me a first for David Njoku. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, just no. saying. <laughs> I was desperate for a, for a tight end. Man, I was kidding. I can't believe that actually happened. <laughs> it happens. But yeah, no, Steelers fans are just as bad, and 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 that's something that you have to know. You need to know where your uh, your teammate, your competitors lie in regards to how big they are on their own team. Me personally, I try not to really own Packers because usually it detracts from my Sunday enjoyment of having to worry about fantasy and, you know, do I need Rogers to throw one or do I need, you know, Jones to run one or whatever. I, right now I own three Packers and Rogers and Adams and Sternberger, and it's not my most desirable situation, but you know, it kind of just ended up happening over the years. But for me, I try not to acquire too many Packers. Um, and I think for most really good fantasy players, it's irrelevant. I mean, I'm trying to build the best team, not not enjoy who I'm cheering for, you know, on Sunday and because it favors my team or whatever. I've I've been in plenty of games where I'm like, well, I want the Packers to win, but I really need Christian McCaffrey to score four <laughs> touchdowns today. So yeah. hopefully we win 35, you know, 28. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, we've all been there, you know, but the reason I bring this up is that it is a tool, it's a tip that, that can help you get a deal done. You know, if you look at, at what they're after, what you have, and, and you're trying to acquire a certain player, especially if, if let's call, let's go back to Juju. You know, if a Steelers owner owns Juju, you know, they're probably going to value him a little higher than, than we might on the normal market. You know, same thing with, with let's use DeAndre Swift or on Johnson. Oh, a Redskins yeah. fan that likes Darius Geis. I, I don't know, right? You know, it, it affects the value of players. And, when you look at how do you execute a trade, what truly has to happen is that you, you can't be so tied to that player that you're not willing to move him. And sometimes fandom gets in the way and you just can't move him because you're too attached to what that player is, you know, be it Zeke, be it CMC, be it Aaron Rodgers. you know, um, it's fear. It, it is fear. It's yeah. fear. What it is is you're, you're too afraid to make, the wrong step you know what I can't live with myself if I trade him and then he blows up and he's on my favorite team and I look like an asshole and you can't play afraid you got to take risks you got to do what is optimally the best for fantasy football purposes you have to put your your heart aside and use your head you know if you really want to win yeah it's about the analytics I want to jump off what you said about playing scared one of the the first or second years that I was in the elite league, I probably made the worst trade that I've ever made. And oh, is that the Legarrette Blunt trade? No, 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 no. This was the the DeAndre oh, Hopkins worst trade. trade. <laughs> DeAndre yeah. Hopkins. This was the DeAndre Hopkins trade that I made. It was off his arguably worst year that he's had. I sent him um, DeAndre Hopkins straight up for the one hundred eight. Yep. Right, doesn't sound too bad, you know. I think that was. 2017 maybe doesn't matter it, it was to me in 17 yes but the issue is what the 108 turned into 
was Mike Gillisley, uh, who was freshly picked up from the Patriots, and everyone thought he was going to take over the 15-16 touchdown LeGarrette Blunt roll, and I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and super ecstatic to get Mike Gillisley at 108. Um, and I was playing scared because I didn't think DeAndre Hopkins was going to be the number one uh, like he has been. Um, where if I would have, you know, just kept kept going, I think I probably could have had Kamara. I'm, I'm, I, I think Kamara was still there at 107. Yeah, Kamara so was there into the second like round, it, like yeah. 204. And in a in another dynasty league that I was in, I got Kamara like late second, early third, mm-hmm. and I could have done it. But you know, I played scared. I I thought I was taking a guy that was going into a consistent role. Um, and I was scared of Hopkins, which obviously that hurts now uh, with how well he's done the past three years. But I think that's a really good point about trading when you're scared. Uh, don't, don't, just don't do it. Yeah, it's a valid point. I think we've all made that trade that we regret um, throughout Thank time. You jump on one more thing and after trading scared another thing you don't do is trade when you have that itch and you just have to scratch that itch you know oh, yeah. you know you're not making a trade that's really helpful you know you're not doing it's maybe a small trade it's not really a big thing but you just you got to trade you got you, you got to scratch that itch and you can also tell that in your people that are contacting you too for trades i've had some people in the last couple of days constantly contacting me and I'm like no 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 and I'm like this person has an itch and I know they want to scratch it and you just have to wait out that itch and they will eventually crumble and give you something for nothing (laughs) so be wary if you have the itch but be able to recognize it in others because eventually they will scratch and they will they will end up on the street corner asking for their fix at some point (laughs) Five o'clock free crack giveaway. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. Um, I think we have another one here. Um, There's a finite number of players in the league. Um, If you have a bad experience with one or are pushed too hard at the beginning, uh, counter something absurd, rude, et cetera, um, the pool of potential trade partners kind of goes away. So, I I mean, it kind of goes back to, you know, being a dick or whatever you want to call it here. But there is a – a level of respect that has to happen in a trade, you know, in some trades or or some places you can talk openly with other owners about a trade that's going on or or where you're at, because, you know, you're confident enough in your league mates that, you know, it is what it is and and this is what's happening. But I think that that's a really, really important thing is to, you know, be respectful and, and try to take advantage of situations when you can but but don't do it at the price of, of losing a friend or losing a league mate. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good tip. Um, in the redraft league that I commissioned with a bunch of friends, it's very hard for me to get trades done because I'm very adamant about my love of fantasy football. So they automatically think any deal that I'm offering them, regardless of if I talked to them about it before, is an automatic loss for them. Um, and it's nothing that I've done personally, personally, it's just, they know that I've put in more time to like, huh, 
Ben wants his player. Why? You know, what, 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 what does he know that I don't? Um, but I think knowing, you know, you have to build that rapport so, with people. Yeah. So, so that, that's one of those situations um, where it's like you're the guy in the ice cream truck and you're calling the kids up to, to get ice cream and they're afraid to get in a van with you. Oh God. You know, that's exactly what it is, Ben. Just <laughs> around what's going on there. But I mean, it's the truth. Some of us, you know, we send a trade offer and then, or, or general sends a trade offer or somebody. Usually the first thing that happens is everyone stops, picks up their smartphone real quick and says, why does this person want this particular player? You know, you know, Brandy cooks gets traded to the Texans. You know, how many people reached out to Caitlin at that time, you know, or reached out to those owners, you know, um, DeAndre Hopkins gets moved to, gets moved to Arizona. How many people make calls to, well, Deshaun Watson isn't where, doesn't have the weapons anymore. He's not worth as much. You know, everybody tries to play the game. <laughs> what was that? I said, amen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it all comes down to, uh, you know, understanding, you know, what's going on and who's calling you and, and what they're after. Um, we, we have people in the league that, that are very smart and do a lot of analytics and know a lot of facts. Um, but those facts can also get in the way, you know, and, and find them overvaluing players based on what they perceive to be the future of that particular player. Um, so you have to stick to your guns. I mean, I think that was another tip that you had brought up, Justin. Um, that was, was really, you know, a, a valuable tip is, you know, it's okay to take a risk. It's okay to take a risk. Nobody ever won by 100% by being 100% conservative. You have to take risks and trust your gut. Um, and that's okay if you feel like, hey, this guy's got a lot of facts and, and he's talking above my head. Maybe he's right. Well, hmm. You know, what does your gut say? You know, does your gut say Darius Geis is going to be okay after only playing three games? Is he worth a 2 1? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe Geis blows up and we all look like fools. Uh, <laughs> maybe guys plays a half a game. I don't know what's going to happen. Right? I think, I think a really good real world example. So a couple of weeks ago, I messaged Justin, Justin about the 107 in elite. Now he owns 108. Okay. And his response to me was, I can't trade you 107 <laughs> and have you draft before me. You know too much, which is fair. But at the same time, I don't want 108 for the exact same reason. So that was the end of discussion because there was nothing either one of us could do that would convince the other one to either take the 108 or to trade the 107. That goes right back to knowing your league mates. And I know you're smart like me. You're going to probably pick someone I would like right before I have the opportunity to and vice versa. But if I'm trading to someone who I do not think is very smart or will, or I have an idea of how they will draft and it doesn't impact me, then if I can make a buck off, you know, trading back there and letting them ahead of me, I will, you know, it's, it's, you really have to know your league mates and how they operate to really plan out how a draft's going to go and what a value of the pick is. Um, another thing you mentioned a little bit ago, George, was in regards to news, you know, players get traded or, you know, cuts happen, whatever. That's another invaluable trade is it pays dividends to pay attention in the off season. 
and know when things are happening and what is how things that maybe are tangential to your players or the players you're involved could impact them. So, you know, a new um, offensive lineman who's a stud goes to a certain team, you know, tangentially, that's going to probably help your quarterback or your running back. Mm-hmm. And knowing that little bit of news may help you make some benefit out of a trade for that player that you wouldn't have gotten before, you know, you know, you didn't, they don't know about it. You're going to get that benefit. You know, it takes an astute owner to be on top of all the news, just not the headlines. Absolutely. I mean, when we talk about depth of players, you see, okay, you know, um, they traded away this, you know, tier two, tier three wide receiver. Well, what does that do for a rookie? What does that do for a player that is coming off injury? Does that make them more valuable? You know, Teddy Ginn going to uh, Chicago. You know, it's, it's seemingly something under the radar that really doesn't matter too much. But, but when you really think about it, it really does. You know, what, what does that say about, you know, Emmanuel Sanders now in, in New Orleans? Well, you know, he doesn't have to compete against Ted again. Well, we know that's there. Yes, Ted's getting older, but, but he's still a valuable piece of that team. He was. How does Ted Ginn impact the Bears, I think, is a better question. That's exactly, where, that's exactly where I was going. Ted Ginn I, now in Chicago, what does he look like? You know, is he now? Is he going to take picks away or touches away? Absolutely. Ted Ginn is going to affect the wide receiving core. In I, think, I think he benefits the wide receiving core for the reason, though, is what is Ted Ginn? He's a burner. He's, he's running a nine route <laughs> nine out of ten times. So – He's dragging your safeties and your corners down the field to open up the middle of the field for your underneath passes. So if you put Anthony Miller in the slot now and you have Ginn run a nine route on that same route and he drags the corner up with him and the safety, you know, Anthony Miller on a little, you know, sideline slant is wide open for 15 yards. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really more that little bit of news. I'm not worried about Ted Ginn for me personally. I I think he – he has a motor still, but he's not a guy you can trust to put in for fantasy purposes. Right. But I think him going there raises the tide for guys like Anthony Miller because now that underneath game might open up a little more. Or Terry Cohen underneath coming out of the backfield. That, that's an excellent, excellent point. And, and as, as well, the tight end um, in that position. I forget who's, who's there now. I mean, well, they have like, like 12 of them. Right. I'm sorry. I can't keep track of all 15 that they have, <laughs> but, um, but that's, you know, if you look how a team builds their offense, it's the same way, you know, uh, they had to, they got to, they had to find someone that would open up the top of the field, you know, pull that, that corner safety off so that the middle of the field would be open. Um, because gosh knows Mitch hasn't uh, proven that he can throw the ball, you know, any further than 15 yards anyway. So, um, you adapt, but I have one other comment here that I think is, is going to take us to the end here, guys, but I think this is a a really valuable one. Um, have a long-term vision that you're embracing, but remember that picks and players are just liquid assets to be used. So I'm going to say that one again. Um, have a long-term vision. You're embrace, you are embracing, but remember that picks and players are just liquid assets to be used. Ben? I mean, obviously, 
everyone's goal should be winning a championship. Um, and if, if that's too lofty, making the playoffs. So, and, and for me, making the playoffs is a more realistic goal. And that's what I'm trying to build a team for is to make the playoffs. Because if I can make the playoffs, anything can happen in two games or in one game and I'm in the championship, you know? So I'm always building a team for the playoffs. And if I have to send um, Christian McCaffrey uh, for the new hotness quarterback or a receiver, and those are two big holes in my team to make that playoff caliber team, then I'm going to do it. Obviously, I'm going to try to recoup some some youth or some value in picks with that also because um, I'm not trying to sell the future uh, for now. But my goal is always playoffs and whatever it takes to make the playoffs. Um, every, everyone's for sale, always. I, I, get, I get messages all the time like, hey, is so-and-so for sale? Yeah, of course. Like what – what are you trying to offer, you know? Um, and I think that's the mindset that dynasty owners specifically need to have. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Christian McCaffrey. I love Zeke. I love Debo Samuel. I love AJ Brown. But if someone came to me with an offer, I can't refuse. Uh, sorry. Looks like I'm selling you, you know, but they don't care. They don't have, they don't know what I'm doing with my fantasy team. That's true. General, what's your thoughts on that? So for me, I mean, I'm – like me and Ben talked a little bit earlier about it. He's a little more go-gung-ho for some of those big-name guys and isn't afraid to shop them as much as I like to do. So I I have a very definitive way I build most of my teams based on structure of a league, of course. But I like to build my receiving core, and I like to hold on to them. I don't – you know, I got young receivers – I'm not looking to flip them. I'm trying to build off my young receiving core and then use draft picks and smaller trade acquisitions to maybe try to fill some of my gaps. You know, my running back needs a little fixing up. My quarterback needs a little fixing up. I'll do that in that manner. That's that's just your strategy of, you know, what's important to how you want to see your team going forward. And it always is. Ben's absolutely right. It's every year I'm looking to win a title, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in ever thinking I need to rebuild for the future right now, but the good owners are doing both. You're winning now, but you're gaining that draft capital and having an eye on the future still too. You're, I don't ever want to mortgage the future completely to have a chance to win now. Generally for me, I'm, I'm trying to kind of have my cake and eat it too, but you know, it doesn't always work out. You know, it, it's hard to do. But for me, I'm, I do do truly believe, like Ben said, though, everything is liquid. Everything's moving. If I if I make a trade today for a pick, I could trade that pick by next week and not blink. I didn't trade it to hold it till draft day generally. I'm gaining assets to use in other trades. And, you know, a lot of – Ben, you know, like you've been saying, you you've been going – what, from a third-round pick, now you're up to a second, you know, piece mm-hmm. by piece. You're slowly kind of creeping your way up earlier in the draft. So you're using your capital that you've acquired through prior picks and prior, prior trades, I should say, to 
get the equity you want in the draft or get the player you eventually want to get to. It's, it's always building. It's always trying to get to the next level. Don't ever be complacent with just, well, I made that trade. Now I'm going to hold on to that, you know, pick for until I make my draft pick. Yeah, I, and I agree. I, to, to put in context for, for everybody listening at home, I, this offseason, I have sent Chris Carson, Nick Chubb, and Cortland Sutton. And basically through trades, that has turned into the 202 and the 208, along with Ezekiel Elliott. Um, so that's where the roster construction, I think, kind of plays a part into trades. Um, I have, I like to think that I'm pretty new age when it comes to fantasy, you know, getting those top receivers. But recently in Dynasty, I I found myself um, getting those stud running backs and shooting my shot on young receivers, and it's worked out okay so far. So we'll yeah. see if that continues. And, and they, you know, that that's the thing. You have to look at how a team is made up and what they're trying to do. You know, all three of us here, we all play different. You know, for me, I, I don't own a stud running back. I, I don't. You know, I have Leonard Fournette. I have Mark Ingram, um, Raheem Morissette, and shit, I don't even know who else I have. Uh, Delvin Ferry. Uh, and Devonta Freeman. Don't forget about him. Can't forget about him. <laughs> I'm, I might hold on to him just to see what in the hell happens, to be honest. He might, he's a locker room presence, a great leader for the guys. He is, you know. He's he, the young guys. There. <laughs> he might be he might hang around just so i don't have to use a supplemental pick um but what it comes down to is you know I, i've got a good wide receiving core probably the second best wide receiving core in the league you know deandre hopkins tyree kill uh terry mclaurin jarvis landry i mean four very solid players that that can do that i got two great tight ends in mark andrews and, and austin hooper i'm pretty solid there but how do I build my team? You know, I've always tried really hard to make sure that, that those flex players are, are there for me. And then it usually comes at the cost of having a quality, quality um, running back or high-end running back. And I'm okay with that. You know, some people stream defenses. Sometimes I stream running backs. <clears throat> truly comes, excuse me, <clears throat> truly comes down to, to how you build your team. You know, a lot of people sent me trades all week or over the last two weeks. Hey, you need a RB one. You need an RB one. You don't have one. I tried to send you Darius Geis, and you wouldn't. You didn't. <laughs> no, I was so close to that too. I really, no. really pondered on that one for a while. It worked out for me anyway. I don't know. Yeah, it helped you out a lot. I hate that I didn't do it because I could have ended up in a two-one spot. Um, <laughs> but you know that. That being said, it, it it all comes down to how you build out your team. So you know. Let's leave it on on a, a final tip. Um, if we can tell the listeners anything, guys, around trades, one steadfast rule you have or, or one thing that's going to make their team better in 2020 and beyond, um, what is it? General? Communicate. Just communicate. Talk to people. Don't ignore people. Have a conversation. Like I said, it's about building rapport with people. So – even if the, you know, you're talking with somebody and you don't think a deal is going to get done, you know, not only are you generally finding out, you know, more about that person, which is great. I mean, we've built friendships through these leagues 
you know, with people we didn't know prior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we talk and hang out and have podcasts together with people that, you know, <laughs> five, 10 years ago, we never talked to. So, I mean, that's where, you know, by having those trade conversations that happens, I mean, there's times through the year where, you know, some people in this league I talk to on a nightly basis more than I do with my wife because we're just shooting trade ideas back and forth for like, you know, it's midnight and I get a, Hey, what do you think about this? And then we <laughs> trade talk for an hour and a half. And I look at my phone, I'm like, Oh shit, it's almost 2am. I got to go to sleep. Yeah. So, but that's because we built rapport because we've built understanding with people. And that that's really what makes dynasty fun in the long run anyway, is building that rapport, building that family. So the best thing I can say about doing with trades is, just have open communication. Just talk to people, you know, don't, don't ignore people and don't just send blind trades, open up your messenger, talk to people, have a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, yep. What do you got, sir? Um, don't be afraid to hypothetically lose um, on a trade. Um, I think that goes a long way kind of with what Justin was saying on building rapport. Um, if you're going out to, to you know take advantage of everyone you're trading with you're probably not going to get many trades done unless your name is justin um but for the rest of us don't don't be afraid to lose um if you use a trade calculator or you know if you're if you're sending guys that you really like but you're getting that that piece to really make your team a contender don't be afraid to do that um fantasy football is fickle you know um when i drafted nick chubb and he was behind carlos hyde i think that's correct or whoever he was um i just held on to him until week six seven whatever whenever he took over and i woke up after a night shift and i had 13 messages from people in the league trying to acquire nick chubb and i'm like what the hell just happened? Um, I finally sent him this year, but you know, hold, hold your guys. Don't be afraid to lose on a trade. If you really um, believe in them, trust your gut, trust whatever process you have in evaluating NFL talent. If it's watching film, reading millions of articles, or just watching the games, you know, uh, go with your gut. Don't be afraid shoot your shot and you may lose a trade here and there. Yeah. I mean, I think um, two, two big things there. And, and this is my tip is, is have a plan, know how your team is built and what you're doing and stick to that, you know, but one thing you don't want to do is find yourself in a position where you've stopped considering trading. You know, if you've done that and you've locked yourself into a corner I mean, we have an owner that, that has acquired a ton of talent, and now he's kind of found himself in a situation where he has all this talent and, and is trying to dump it because he just doesn't have – there's only so many roster spots. You know, yes, everything's liquid. So, you know, the other owners see your team as well. They know what you have, what you don't have, what picks you have. There's no surprises. So, you know, that, that transparency around what you have – you know, it is going to be valuable and can be very invaluable to you as well because it can show your hand. So, you know, this particular owner, he's trying to move some pieces because he knows he, he can't play them all. I think he has 10 running backs. You know, he can't, he can't play them all. 
It's just dead space on his roster. And so um, stick to your plan. Just don't find yourself in a position where, where your plan, you know, forces you to a spot where, you know, you're, you're forced to, to make decisions or make trades or do things that you don't want to do to, to continue to build your team in the right way. Um, I think it's important. It, it's the biggest piece of dynasty. That's why I play fantasy is because of, of the, the strategic approach to draft and, and trade. I mean, people get into dynasty or into fantasy because the draft is fun and it's a blast. And there's a hundred different apps to mock draft. Uh, I told uh, a friend of mine one day, I said, man, if we could find an app that was, you know, mock trades, boy, what, what a fun time that would be just to talk about strategy and, and what that looks like and how you play that out. But um, trading is so important. It, it is truly the heartbeat of, of a league. And, and I'm thankful, you know, in a few of the leagues that we're in together that, that, you know, these guys are part of it and it keeps the league alive, keeps the friendships alive, keeps the league moving in a forward direction. And, and we can do cool things like have draft parties and we want to be around each other and we want to, you know, have side bets or whatever it is, that doesn't happen in every league. It only happens because there's a level of communication day in, day out around trades or, or drafts or, or whatever it is um, to make the league truly, truly special. Um, that, that's what's different about fantasy when it's done right is that it really becomes a community. It becomes a group of people that really care about each other and, and want to see each other lose. So, Hashtag fun with George, am I right? Hashtag fun, fun with George. George. <laughs> Favorite hashtag. Good hashtag. I like the hashtag this year, too. <laughs> it's a good one. So, well, let's wrap it up for the night, guys. You know, I think we need to take one quick second and um, wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. Um, that's coming up on this Sunday. So, you know, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Um, we appreciate you. And, and to our wives, um, thank you for allowing us this time to, to do fantasy, be up till 2 a.m. talking about trades and truly not understanding why we're spending so much time on our phones, um, talking about people that, that we really don't know, that we, we somehow believe we know more than, than real owners know about their players. So, um, I think all, I do know more than Dave Gettleman does. And I think we all know more than, uh, than Mr. O'Brien down in Houston. Oh, well, oh, gosh. <laughs> So, um, you know, to your guys' wives and your moms, uh, happy Mother's Day to them. Um, we appreciate you guys as always. We'll be back next week um, with a new topic, new things to talk about, maybe a new, a new guest. Um, the return of uh, Grind My Gears will come back next week. I'm sure we can find something to get the general fired up on next week. <laughs> and, and we will definitely return the Trader's Alley uh, where we talk about some crazy trades that are happening inside uh, our leagues and other leagues. So. Uh, thank you guys as always. We appreciate you. Have a safe night. And uh, that's it. Have a good Peace. night. Wash your hands.